This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off. Winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line, drive. This game is over. Birthday, goodbye baseball. Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, how's it going? Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being back again. Uh, sorry about yesterday. No podcast as scheduled, but trying to make up for it today. Some internet issues, some audio issues I was trying to solve, and I think I've done it, so I'm pretty excited about that. We'll see if I really did or not. I don't know. Mariners win last night. They beat the Yankees, the final game of the series coming up tonight. Mariners losing the first two, 7-3 in game one, a heartbreaker walk-off for the Yankees in game two, 5-4. to four. Looked like one they were going to close down. That's kind of been... It's got him a couple times in this one. Three one-run losses on this trip. A couple of Cleveland, including a walk-off there, a walk-off to the Yankees. Mariners will try and split the series tonight, but a big win last night for the Mariners as they put a bunch of runs on the board. Ten runs on the board for the Mariners. The windup, the 2-1, swung on it, belted deep to left field. Maven going back, looking up, and there is 392 for Edwin Encarnacion. Carry the parrot around the bases, Edwin. He's heading home with his 12th home run of the season. Gets a high five from Chris Prieto. Edwin Encarnacion home runs now in four of his last five ball games, and it gives the Mariners a 5-0 lead. Here in the top of the fifth. Yeah, 14 hits for the Mariners, including Ryan Healy, who had a massive game. Four hits, four extra base hits, three doubles, a homer. He now has more doubles than he had all of last season. 16 doubles this year, had 15 last season. The only player with three doubles and a homer and a ball game for the Mariners, other than Ryan Healy now, Ken Griffey Jr. So elite company for Ryan Healy. He had... A great game. Hanniger a couple of hits. D. Gordon a couple of hits. A really good day offensively for the Mariners. But this game belonged to Yusei Kikuchi, who was just dominant. The 3-2 on the way. Swung on, grumbled up the middle. More to his left. He's got it near the bag. The throw to first, and it's in time to get Maven 15 in a row. Retired by Yusei Kikuchi, and that's it for the Yankees. They go one, two, three, again and again and again and again and again. The 2-2. Strike three called. What a hook. It has been there all night, and it has been dirty from Yusei Kikuchi and the Bronx. He freezes Clint Frazier. He picks up his third strikeout, and he has been on fire through six frames. 
He was brilliant. Seven and two-thirds, just three hits, one run, three Ks, took a no-hitter into the six. He was excellent as the Mariners win 10-1, to the final score on the Bronx as they beat the Yankees in game three of the series. Here's what Scott Service said after the ball game. Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, we nice bounce back after a tough loss last night. It starts with the guy on the mound, and uh, you say it was awesome. Just kind of took over the game. Really good feel for a curveball tonight, early in counts, and really didn't hit a whole lot of balls hard off. Uh, you know, a couple soft singles there. Uh, you know, in that one inning, he gave up the one run. But again, he's continuing to just get more comfortable, uh, understand who he is. Um, really looks forward uh, to coming in like Yankee Stadium and places he's thought about since he's a little kid and get an opportunity to pitch there and he's taking it and run with it so uh, really big boost uh, for us tonight and certainly our offense showed up and took care of things there. And is he starting to get I don't want to say more confidence but more awareness of just the repertoire of pitches he has and how they can play at this level? Yeah he, he is he has a really good understanding uh, I think it's taken him a little while he didn't have the same fastball tonight that he had over in Cleveland last time out but he had a better curveball and that's what the really good pitchers in this league do, understanding what they have early on in the ball game. Um, had good feel for all of this stuff tonight. Worked in some changeups, which is nice to see. That's a pitch he's been working on, and he knows it's be a, you know, will help him in the future. So again, another big step forward for him, and, and great to see it. Is it a coincidence he's come out of the short start with these two starts, or, or is it something? For me, more than anything, it's just this confidence is growing. He's getting comfortable, comfortable with his teammates, comfortable with the catchers, scouting reports, the league, knowing who he is. And trusting his stuff, uh, you know, there's always that, you know, do I belong? How do I, just like any young pitcher or rookie that comes into the league, it takes him a little while and he's certainly feeling comfortable right now. It's great, to, great, awesome to see. Scott, he talks so much about wanting to learn the hitters and being able to maneuver from hitter to hitter to hitter. How much is he doing that himself right now? Oh, he's doing some of it. And, and I think uh, sometimes you don't, you don't want to overdo it there either because they have not seen him. Many of these teams have not. So it takes a little while to get the timing. He's got the little hesitation and the leg kick, all those things. Uh, it's not comfortable uh, for hitters until they get a chance to see him a little bit and understand him. But uh, he does his homework. He knows his, uh, what his plan is going into the game, and, and for the most part, he stays with it. And Omar did a nice job with him again tonight. You were able to push him to into the eighth inning and, and see where, how he reacted to it. What did you see in that? Really, it was, I wanted to get him over 100 pitches, you know, and, and um, he needs to get, you know, hit those thresholds and go back out there for the eighth inning, things like that. Um, early in the game, quite frankly, he was going along so good and hadn't given up a hit. Start looking at the pitch count and work at this go. If, if he didn't give up a hit, and he had plenty of pitches to work with, so uh, um, he's continuing to, to just learn. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing. I keep using that word all the time, but he is a learner, and uh, it's fun to fun to watch. On the flip side, your team drove up the pitch count on the Wiseaga. How much of that is getting back to that approach that? we've been looking for. Yeah, really good night offensively up and down the lineup. Uh, certainly Healy had the big nine with the three doubles and the home run, but Edwin good at bats. Uh, Domingo, you know, a couple knocks. Omar really uh, top to bottom. Uh, great to see. You know, when we throw up a 20-pitch inning early in the ball game, it usually ends up being a good night for us, whether we score or not. And you know, we had 20-some in the first, uh, another 20-pitch inning in the second, and that's what you like to see early in the game. And and we got after it pretty good tonight. Scott, are Healy's doubles a product of his speed, or what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, hitting in the right spot. Uh, Ryan, as long as he takes the approach, you know, using the whole, whole ballpark, uh, the right field, a lot of those doubles have come the other side, and certainly the, the home run in the right center on the 3-0 count tonight was great to see. Not trying to do too much. Uh, he's got power and just got a good swing. Just put himself in good counts and not trying to do too much. I see Hanniger kind of 
lighten it back up a little bit. Yeah, he got on a high fastball tonight, and teams have been going after him a little bit with that, and he's made some nice adjustments. And you know, Hanny, he's going to grind through it and work in the cage and look at the video and make the adjustments along the way. So he's such a big part of our offense. When he's going, things seem to you know cruise pretty nice for us. So hopefully, we can keep him going here the rest of this trip. There it is, the skipper Scott Service. Mariners win, and they win big. This is going to be a fun podcast. We are going to hear from Ken Rosenthal, who visited with us in the booth yesterday. Also, really interesting conversation, pregame conversations with Mike Flowers regarding Jay Bruce. You don't want to miss that, especially given what had happened with Bruce the last few days. Also, we'll hear from Daniel Vogelback. So a jam-packed podcast today. Mariners take on the Yankees tonight, 335, leak against Hap, and then on to Boston as the road trip continues. We'll talk more about that. There will be a podcast tomorrow, so back-to-back. Swanson, Rodriguez, Felix Porcello, Marco Gonzalez in Game 3 of the series on Sunday, and then back home after this long, long road trip. So let's start with the Ken Rosenthal conversation in the booth yesterday. Shannon Dreyer now joined by Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith, and our special guest, Ken Rosenthal. You know him from The Athletic, you know him from Fox, you know him from the MLB Network, and good to have you right in front of us, Ken. And Thanks, I, I got to tell you, it, it's fun to watch you down on the field. You talk to absolutely everybody, and I, I look at you as kind of new eyes on this club. What do you see of interest in the Mariners tonight? Tonight specifically, just to see them if they can get going again and Tim Beckham was telling me before the game he did tell me in spring training that they were going to be better than people thought fair enough I think that's a reasonable conclusion so far and he told me today we're going to get it going again <laughs> I, I said all right Beckham. Tim I said Tim I'm not going to argue with you you told me the first time so why wouldn't I believe you this time but I will say this for a team that did what they did reimagining and however you want to describe it they're awfully entertaining now, it's not the purest baseball we've ever seen, but it's been fun to watch for the most part. And, heck, I, I'm interested to see not only how they play this season, how they approach the deadline with Encarnacion and Bruce and all of that, and whether Crawford comes up and all of these different things that they have in place. And while I didn't love this initially, what they embarked upon, I have to say I, I now understand it better. And I like it better. Jay Bruce has been one of your favorite guys to talk to for some time, hasn't he? Oh, Jay Bruce is every writer's favorite to talk to. He's yeah. just a good guy. And he's really thoughtful, really smart about the game. And he's an interesting guy this year because his stats do not necessarily <laughs> add up the way you would think. But He got a single last night, Ken. Uh, what shocking. are you talking about? <laughs> he does not consider himself, or really he's never been this all-or-nothing guy. He's been a good hitter in his major league career, but this year he's been mostly a slugger. <laughs> Kenny, what uh, in your mind has been one of the more interesting stories here five, six weeks into the baseball season? Overall? Overall. I would say the turnaround of the Cubs is kind of foremost in my mind right now. I just saw them last weekend, and when I saw them early, I don't know, we might have been together yeah. in Milwaukee. They were awful, and I thought they might be buried Tampa Bay, of course, is another story that yeah. you have to acknowledge. They are real. They're going to be good. How good, I don't know. That staff. But Blake that Snow. staff is stunning. And the offense is better than it's been. So that's another one. And 
The NL East quagmire. That's interesting. And there's all these angles that are always so fascinating about what's going on in the, in the game at any time. That's why it's never boring, that's for sure. Ken Rosenthal is our guest on the roundtable from The Athletic, from Fox Sports, and from MLB Network. And now, Ken, what do you make of the American League West? Now, we're, we've had a hard time kind of trying to figure out what this division looks like once you get past the Astros. I agree. The Oakland A's, if they get healthy and they get their starting pitching back, some of the younger guys and Luzardo and all these pieces that they have, maybe Edwin Jackson comes up. I still think once Olsen gets back, or he's back, or he just, just got he back. He just got back. Yeah, that they're going to be okay. But they're not playing like that. The Angels, I don't like. And I have not liked them the whole composition of the club. They started playing well for a while, then they got crushed by the Astros in Mexico. So I'm not sure what to make of them. I still don't like their rotation. Yeah. Mariners are probably not going to be there in the end, but they're competitive, and the Rangers are kind of the same. The Rangers aren't good, but they're not an easy opponent necessarily. Both teams have really strong lineups. So yeah, and, and mm -hmm. right, and on a given day, they're going to hurt you. So to me, the Astros are clearly the class of this. Where it all goes from there, I give the A's an outside shot of the wild card still, but I'm not quite certain of anything. And one of the things that's interested me in this season is baseball. There's always it's, it's a shifting of balance between pitchers and hitters. And we know that the launch angle took off. We know that there are strikeouts. We see pitchers now with the data that they have able to take away spots for the hitters to do the same. Where would you say we are with a balance right now? Pitchers versus hitters. Shannon, that is a great question. It's kind of the defining question of the game right now. And... I would say I would lean toward the pitchers, but with the ball being, let's say, a little livelier, <laughs> I don't know what there you're is something about. that the pitchers uh, <laughs> have to deal with there and the hitters have an advantage with. So the information age and all the data that's available, that, in my view, is advantage pitchers because they know what to exploit in a better way, in an easier way than the hitters can respond. They have, are the reactors. But... It's really fascinating to see how this all plays out. For instance, launch angle. Mm -hmm. Pitchers are now going up because you can't go down anymore with everybody swinging that way. And that's changing some things. And this kind of cat and mouse game is part of the beauty of the sport. So with all that and with the shifting, I would say still advantage defense, but there are some things that work in the hitter's favor as well. Kenny, i got to ask you, one of the best parts of my day is when I get up in the morning, I turn on the Major League Baseball Network, and I see you and Harold and all the analysts on there, Lauren Shahadi, Mark DeRosa, Keith Casas. Are you guys having as much fun as it is as we get to see uh, from where we're viewing you guys from our television sets? Rick, I would say yes. And the two shows in the morning, one in the offseason, one in the regular season, yeah. are different. Yeah. The Hot Stove Show is a rollicking, loose affair <laughs> <laughs> with no script. Right. But it keeps me going in the winter because otherwise I'd just be sitting in my office You're at busy. home all day on the phone. So at least I get out of the house. And I get to spend it with three people, four people actually, who are some of my best friends. Matt and Harold and Lauren and Keith. They really, we're really close. And then in the season, DeRosa... He's the greatest, and it's Robert Flores in place of Matt. But, yes, that what you see there is real. 
And I don't know that you can fake that, Aaron. Can you? We seem no. to do a pretty good job of it every now, Ken. <laughs> Ken, it's great seeing you, man. You too, Aaron. Thanks. Yes, Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, We had Thanks, more Rick. time with you, but, uh, yeah, that's baseball for you. Here's Aaron Goldsmith and Mike Blowers. I think you'll like this. Mike, are you ready for some numbers? I'm ready for some of your numbers, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> These aren't any kind of numbers. Yeah. You know, there was a really interesting article written today in The Athletic about Jay Bruce, and it made me very curious to keep digging into some numbers on Jay Bruce. That's who the article is about. Because, Mike, as you know, he has 11 home runs. His most recent was a grand slam. 15 of his 19 hits this year have been four extra bases. And yet, he's batting 176. Now, when you look at how lucky he has been or how unlucky, so we look at his batting average on balls in play, which it's worth noting does not account for home runs. So that's 11 hits taken away. doesn't account because he can't catch a home run after all. Mike, he has by far the lowest BABIP in baseball. 131, that's over 40 points lower than the next closest qualifier, the second lowest in baseball. And yet, Mike, it continues, his hard hit rate, 53%. That means he's hitting the ball 53% of the time of at least 95 miles an hour or harder off the bat. His average exit velocity is 91 miles an hour. Both those figures are tops among Mariners hitters. So tell us, what in the world is going on with this crazy, bizarre, wacky season for Jay Bruce? Luck is involved, Aaron. <laughs> luck, luck can be involved, either good or bad. And the one thing for him is the good news with all this is, is that he's a veteran player because I think a younger player, if the younger player had exactly what you just gave me, maybe even when Jay Bruce was in his second, third year, um, this would be a difficult situation for him. But I, I think that he fully understands that he is having quality at bats. He is hitting the ball hard. And eventually this is going to turn around. Would he like it to turn around tonight? You betcha. Um, but it's one of those things that uh, I'm sure as he's gone through it that Tim Laker um, has relayed those numbers to him also. You know, when I was playing, we didn't have all this stuff, and it was just, you know, teammates or the hitting coach saying, hey, look, don't change anything. You're hitting the ball hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now, he, now, now there's data there that's, saying, that's telling him, letting him know, even though, he, even though he's not getting paid off with the hit, he's doing a lot of things right, and he just needs to stay there because eventually this has to turn. Even for a veteran, though, and I'm not trying to project that this is going to go on for week after week, but after a while, it must be harder and harder and harder to stay true, right? Yes, it's very difficult. And you know what? After every night, and he goes back in there, and if he's 0 for 3 on the night or 1 for 4, but he's hit the ball hard two or three times, and that's, that's all he ends up with, he's frustrated by that, um, especially if the team loses. You betcha. Sure. That's when it's really difficult. But by the time he is showered, and he is walking out of the clubhouse. I'm sure he's put that behind him. Where a younger player, he's not sleeping. He is not sleeping. And this is a difficult thing. And you have to be really careful with those guys. And it's more keeping their confidence up. With Jay, it's just about staying with his routine and knowing that it's going to change for him. To me, it's really impressive that for a guy who has the seventh lowest batting average of unqualified hitters at 176, he has still been a productive hitter for the Mariners, and that's saying something right there, as bizarre as it is. Well, it's because he has the ability to hit the ball where they can't catch it. And eventually those numbers are going to pay off, and I think that, um, and they have already this year, but that's the good news for him. As at least he has, he has some things on the ledger that is going his way, and, and, that, and that is something that, as far as your mental health, that helps. That helps a lot when you look at his home runs um, and, and his ability to help the club out. Um, driving in runs and things like that. So even though that there's some, it's a frustrating time for him, we're coming up on a quarter of the season. Um, 
it's time for it to change for him and, and start to go his way. And the good news is Jay Bruce, with his career, and you go back and you look at his numbers, when he gets hot and those base hits start to fall, he can carry this team. The 1-0 pitch on the way to Bruce. Swing and a high fly ball into right center field. Drifting back is Frazier near the 1-8 track. He is there, and now the ball's going to drop between Gardner and Frazier. And Bruce will wind up at first base. Encarnacion will get the second. Miscommunication between Gardner and Frazier. Both had a chance for it. The 2-2 on the way. Swing and a pop-up into shallow left field. Long run, Maven. And going out, Urshela can't get to it. It's going to drop in a fair ball. Rounding third, heading home. Vogelback will score. The ball is picked up. The throw comes back to the infield. Jay Bruce with a bloop double down the left field line. It scores Vogie from second base. Mariners now lead 4-1. to one. You know, Mike, occasionally, occasionally we, we really do hit it out of the park on your second, might I say. I mean, yesterday, what were we talking about, Blow? Do, do, I, do, do I have a hint of Sterling in there? <laughs> no, you there's, know, there, Mike. You know, there's no such thing as a hint of Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Yes. Uh, what were we talking about yesterday, Mike? We were talking about Jay Bruce. We were talking about baseball in general. We were talking about how you can do everything right, but there's still an element of luck involved in this game, or bad luck, depending on which side of it you're on. Which I believe led us to... Babip and the batting average on balls in play and for Jay as we talked about yesterday he's his was the lowest in baseball by like 100 miles like it wasn't particularly close Mike his Babip went up essentially 40 points in one game because I saw that the all of a sudden the baseball luck gods kind of played in his into his fortune last night well they did and and obviously you did a lot of homework and you shared a lot of it with me yesterday which I found to be really interesting and and I mean, yesterday, batted ball in play, his average was 131. <laughs> yes. So it jumped up to a 160-something today, which is terrific. Um, but then, you know, you started to get into average exit velocity, um, how many times he's been 95 or better, um, both tops on the team. You just, you start, so you start looking at the numbers, and you're going, you know what, it has been tough. Now he's hitting for power with his 11 home sure. runs. That's second in the American League. But you felt like his average has got to change, and, and that's why you keep track of all these other numbers. And he's been hitting into a lot of bad luck. And when is this going to change for him? And the funny thing well, is – Well, it did last night. Yes, and the great thing is that it had almost nothing to do with, man, he really ripped one, but it went to the shortstop's glove. Last night he benefited from some really poor communication in the outfield, a flare, and what looked like would have been a single but was turned into a double. Well, I think that there's a couple of things. First of all, with his double that he hit into the right center field gap, um, you know, again, there's some luck involved. If the right fielder is over sure. another yes. five, six feet, maybe he makes a catch right there, and that's kind of what's been happening to him. The miscommunication, he hasn't had a break like that the entire time <laughs> for the ball to drop between two outfielders, plenty of time to catch it, and then the flare down the left field line. Yeah, um, You have to have those over the course of the summer, and he has not had them at all at the start of the year. So I think that the, the main thing with it all is because he was still driving the baseball and the exit velocity was one of the best and how often he was 91 miles an hour or better um, was up there also. I, I think that you have to look at his overall average and feel like, okay, this is going to straighten itself out. And when I talked to Tim Laker about it yesterday, hitting coach for the Mariners, he was really aware of the batted ball in play and he knew that was going to change. Uh, but he still wanted Jay to continue to work out what he was doing and that eventually the batting average and his on-base percentage would climb like they should be just because of the amount of bad luck he has had over the first month and a half of the season. You know, I, I mean, I call you Blostradamus every once in a while when you predict great things on the field, but I had no idea that 
Flowers on Baseball had this kind of turnaround power in one day. Same day service, Mike. Well, I mean, who do you want to fix today? <laughs> Let me give that some thought. Gary's pointing to himself, yeah, by the way. Well, yeah, well, that's going to take that's going to take a lot. We have till the All-Star break. We do. We do. But I just think it's great if they get Jay rolling like that and, and things turn around and a lot of the balls that he is hitting hard and um, with the exit velocity, they turn into base hits as they should. In other words, he's getting paid off for a job well done. That would be great for this club because he can carry this team. And finally, Daniel Vogelback. Shannon Dreyer here in the dugout at Yankee Stadium catching up with Daniel Vogelback. And there's lots to look at around here. You're watching Yankees take batting practice. This building, is it different? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of big-time history, you know, with the Yankees. And, um, you, know, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to be here. But I just try to take it as uh, just another ballpark, another game, and um, another series. What about when you go, let's take it before you even get to the ballpark, traveling versus home. How different is your routine on the road as opposed to home? Not any different. Um, the only thing that's different is you know, when you get to the ballpark, um, make it, you just get to the ballpark earlier on, um, you know, at home just because we have BP first. But, um, you know, there's plenty of time on the road to, you know, get what I need to get done and, um, you know, get ready for batting practice and then uh, get ready for the game. You got out early today. We saw there was a little bit of early hitting. What do you look to get out of early hitting on the field? Well, it just depends what I'm working on. Um, sometimes, you know, we do fastball machine. Sometimes we do curveball machine. Um, always, you know, a purpose for, you know, what I'm doing out there. And today was fastball machine. So, um, you know, it's good to get out and uh, get on the field. You know, watching this team, one of the things that's been pretty amazing is uh, runners in scoring position has not been a problem for this group. What has been the approach in that situation you know just take what they give you um you know pass it along to the next guy uh you know that you know the pitcher's going to bring out his best stuff in those situations so you just try not to get big and you know take whatever he gives you and get the job done um pass it on the next guy and try to get in scoring position for him to do the same thing for you sometimes that can be a pressure situation but if you keep it to everything that you're saying is that something that can take that off a little bit yeah i mean i think you know the pressures you know what you put it on yourself um I mean, I think every bat's a big at bat. Um, you know, it's easy for the uh, situation to you know put pressure, you know, put pressure on yourself because you you know added pressure that's no not needed. Um, so it's just you know every bat's a big at bat, and um, you know take it pitch by pitch. Do you evaluate after a bat, be it a successful at bat or one that perhaps it was a good at bat but you didn't produce? Is that something that what do you think about in that either walk back? or walk to first base or around those bases? Um, I try not to think about much at all during the game. I do all my evaluating, you know, after the game. Um, I've done everything, you know, to prepare for that day and that game, um, you know, you know, evaluating the pitchers and how I'm going to attack. And, you know, it's um, something that I just, you know, after the game, you look back and, you know, make your adjustments. But, um, you know, just stick to my plan through the game. And, um, you know, some days it works and some days it doesn't. But, you know, if I'm going to get beat, I want to get beat with doing what, you know, I trust in my plan. It's just competitive edge that I have. You know, I don't want to lose. And every bat's a win or lose, in my opinion. And um, I try to just win more than I lose in the batter's box. That's a good way to look at it. What about pitchers that you haven't seen before? How do you approach that? I just try to look at, you know, look at video, talk to some guys that have faced them, uh, get it, you know, kind of talk to them about it and what they think. And then, you know, gather an approach and, uh, you know, go about it, you know, and stick to that approach for the whole game. What's the most important piece of information you can get from a guy who has seen someone? 
I just want to know, um, you know, it's put out pitching, you know, what do you want to do with two strikes? That's kind of the number one thing that, um, you know, I want to do kind of know if I want to, if I can go deep in a counter for some more guy that I need to be aggressive early with. You know, the best guys in the game, what separates them is their, you know, their strikeout pitches. And um, so it's just something that I need to, I want to know, you know, if, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I'm, Take what he gives me earlier. If I can go to two strikes with him and you know be comfortable uh, battling out a two strike at bat. Lastly, in the time, it's a short time since the season has started. But what's the biggest thing that you take away from your first month this season? Uh, it's the same thing every year. I feel like you know it's just not ride the emotional roller coaster of the ups and downs. Um, you know you're gonna have great weeks, you're gonna have great months, you're gonna have bad weeks, you're gonna have bad months. But if you stay, you know, level and you, you continue to trust in yourself, you know, and not get down on yourself when things are going bad and not change the person that you are, you know, at the end of the year, you know, everything's going to be right where you want it. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, thank you. And we see that steadiness and approach day in and day out.